Good afternoon, everybody. We are um, all tuning in to the ADOS podcast. I got joining with me today, Brother Wes Smoove. Y'all may know him from the Twin Cities Radio Network. And we're going to get into a conversation today about COVID-19, um, the impact it's had on our community, what we can look forward to with this vaccine um, being approved and you know ready to be shipped out everywhere, I think sometime early next year in 2021. So, you know, maybe that there is light at the end of this tunnel and what type of ramifications, possible ramifications, I guess, there could be to taking the vaccine. I've, I've seen two cases already in the UK where people have had allergic reaction to it. So is there still a lot of concern in the community about the vaccine, um, knowing the, the past and the history of this country with, you know, giving out vaccines and testing on certain groups of people when it comes to viruses and other illnesses you know, are we ready to take this vaccine knowing that there's not a lot of long-term studies that's been conducted? So I, I think we we have the makings of a really interesting show today. We'll go through some current statistics with COVID-19. We'll talk about some testing sites, how you can keep yourself and your family safe as we approach the holiday of Christmas and New Year. Um, so, I mean, before we get into all of that, though, I, I want Brother West Move to introduce himself on our show. Mm-hmm. I'm West Move, Twin Cities Radio Network the only Black-owned radio station in the Twin Cities. Mm, that's powerful right there. Only Black-owned radio network. Yeah. Not show. Station. Network. Station. station network. Yeah, station network. And uh, we say network because we have the ability to uh, broadcast in all 50 states as well as international. And uh, we have listeners you know, from all over the world. And you just don't know, you know what a feeling it is that you know, you're – you're doing the broadcast, and here's someone uh, over in the Netherlands who's saying to you, yeah, I'm listening, and everything sounds good, that sort of thing. You know, It's a good feeling to know that the world is listening, and that makes you be a little bit more careful about yourself, too. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, you know, how you got started in this work, how long you've been doing this. Ooh, I've been doing it a while, but the Twin Cities Radio Network it, itself as a business is in its fifth year, uh, maybe a few day, a few days past and such, and it's in its fifth year. The thing about us is, is that the one thing that we do have going for us is that being internet, it gives us an advantage. We're not like these other stations who have limited reach mm-hmm. and such, you know. But I've been doing this. I, I, left, a, I left a job with the school system um, after being in the school system for over almost 18 years. Um, to do this. Um, it had became more than a hobby and I was able to see the importance of it. Um, and I went for it. I resigned in October of 2015 from the schools to just go ahead and do this because I saw the importance. I saw the future. And even right now, as we are in this pandemic, the importance of getting information disseminated is not, you know, brochure and passing us up. It's not the answer right now. And mm-hmm. so, um, We've been busy. So, yeah, since about 2015, we've been doing this, the Twin Cities Radio Network. I worked for some other stations. You know, I had to learn my way around. And so I went through some stuff, even got cheated out of money by people. Really? <laughs> and stuff, you know, yeah. It takes it takes all of that to learn, you know, to really, really get a lesson. And, um, of course, I'm a guy. I'm from the west side of Chicago. And from there, if you don't like something, you get your own. Simple mm-hmm. as that. And so not being really satisfied with some of the things that's happening here in media 
and stuff. Uh, you know, hey, I, I'm not the type to sit around and complain. This is what I'm doing about it. It's the Twin Cities Radio Network. Absolutely. And I understand that importance as well of having an, an authentic community voice that can be influential in disseminating accurate information to our community members. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I started this podcast. You know, it's, you know, one of the be able to share information with people, especially around serious topics like politics, business, community engagement, and really just give people like yourself a platform to use to talk about your endeavors, your ventures, you know, your vision for the community, what you've been doing, what support you need, really building a collective voice and collective action, right? And that's what inspired me to start the ADOS podcast. So I share that with you, you know, mm -hmm. and it is important, especially for young people to be able to get on a podcast or whatever the platform is to talk about some of these serious issues that are happening in our community. How often do you work with young people? Well, you know, I have a son, eighteen years old, <laughs> so I guess that's is he safe interested to say. In, in in following your path or no? You know, um, the one thing that I've always done for my son, I even used to work at the same school that he went to. You know, it kind of cramped his style a little bit, but you know, I've always been in the school system, and it didn't matter what school I worked at. There was somebody who knew somebody that knew me and knew who his father was. Um, I've always laid it out as to where he could do what he wanted to do, explore what he wanted to explore and find out what's best for him. In fact, last night uh, he was talking about how he was going to forego, you know, this was his last semester and he's not going to tune back into school because he's doing it online. Mm -hmm. But the reason for it is, is because he's really, really disenfranchised with all of the virtual stuff, mm. you know. And so me as a dad, I tried with son, you know, all these games are virtual, you know, come on now. Right, you're used to this. You know, right, yeah. come on now. And, um, but it's, okay, you know, you you have to realize when to go from that push to that gentle nudge and then that where you just kind of stand there guiding with nonverbal communication. Mm. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of students in the same position that your son is in, right? Of just, they just feel isolated. They feel disconnected. They don't feel like they have the support that they need to get through their last semester or their last year or whatever uh, at point they may be in college. Mm -hmm. And it's a serious concern right now. A lot of people aren't used to doing online learning, distance learning. Mm -hmm. I adapted because my grad program started off just online, right? And then mm -hmm. we had a hybrid system, so we go in sometimes, and most of the time we're doing work just online on our computers. So it was easy for me when, you know, the campus decided everything was going to transition to an online platform. But I can see how that would be difficult for him. You know, I had a younger man. I was um, doing a presentation over at uh, Johnny Allen and the JK Movement with those young people over there and uh, getting them involved in the whole radio thing about, doing shows because a lot of those young people say people don't listen to them. Mm -hmm. And I was letting them know we listen to you and we want to hear what you have to say. And I asked, I said, if you give me, give me a, um, a piece on COVID that I will read it on the radio. So I got one from um, a guy named Ta uh, Tajai and he says, hello, my name is Tajai and I will be sharing my experience with COVID-19. He says, 
The world has changed rapidly in many ways. Families have been affected by COVID-19. Parents have become teachers and lunchroom cooks. Although the food tastes better, we lack the classroom interaction. We need social engagement as children. We are confined to our homes more than ever. Mm-hmm. That social engagement piece that we talked about, I guess, and he's a much, he's about, uh, he's about maybe 13. He's about 13. And so that social engagement, maybe that's something that helps. I don't know if it's the interaction of peers and that sort of thing, but to hear him speak about that, to hear him speak about that, maybe that applies to my son and maybe it applies to some of the other young people as well. I'm going to throw it over to you and see what you think in terms of this social thing. Do you think that that could be a detraction or? I, I definitely think it's going to have an impact on a lot of our children's development, you know, and mm-hmm. my concern is even with the younger children, right? That first grade, kindergarten, second grade level where you're learning so much from your peers on a day-to-day basis when you're in normal school or in normal times, right? Now you're expected to do everything online and you don't have that physical interaction with them. I'm concerned that their development is going to be impeded because of it. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah, I think so too. And for a young man to speak on that part of it too, mm-hmm. you know, a much younger man. So we know how serious the interaction of peers is with the teenagers and stuff. I mean, with the sneakers, the latest this, the showing off of their yeah. clothes and da 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 And it also helps build their own personalities too, though, when they're interacting with other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would I would I would think so too. So distance learning virtually, I mean, we always talked about when we had the achievement gap, we talked about smaller class sizes. Remember mm-hmm. back then we talked yep, about smaller class sizes? Why then can't we do a smaller class size thing? But then I think that probably, be, you know, working in special ed, we would have up to maybe about eight students. I was at a certain school that was like a lockup. Your kids moved with you from class to class. There was no, you could look through the windows or nothing like that. And so I was thinking about that model. If you got six kids and then let's say we have to leave out of here and go to the science lab, we wait, you know, to make sure that there's no one in the hall, mm-hmm. and then we take the kids to down to the science lab. So I think that the smaller class sizes can be a factor in, you know, because even amongst five other peers, I think that uh, a young person would feel a lot more comfortable, and I think that they'd learn better as well. Yeah, and that decreases the chances of you spreading COVID-19 too, right? I mean, because you're in a small, smaller cohort. And as long as you all are all staying together, eating lunch together, going to the gym together, in the classrooms together, essentially in a bubble, mm-hmm. then there should be no spreading of, of any types of contagious viruses. And actually a school in Tennessee, a school that my siblings attend, they're still doing, doing that same type of model, right? They have smaller class sizes now but they're still meeting in person every day. Mm -hmm. And if one person gets sick, the whole class has to stay at home in quarantine, right? If one person out of that bubble that they're in, they have like, I think it's like eight to 10 students or whatever in each little bubble. If one person gets sick, the whole class has to go in quarantine. And I was talking to my sister a few days ago and she's like, yeah, we we still have gym. Cause I'm like, well, how are you all doing gym? And she's like, we do have gym. There's like these little boxes or whatever that we like go inside and we do our activities inside the box. And I'm like, what? Hmm. I was just, my mind was just blown. Like, 
So I guess they have these these big boxes and they walk into the box and they do whatever the activity is, the exercise for gym. And then after the person comes in and sanitizes all the boxes down and they bring the next class size in. I would think, you know, I mean, when you when you when you're trying to think positive, I would think that uh, it provides an opportunity for people, young people and or people to spend a little bit more self-time or it maybe increase some degree of self-awareness. You know, because when you're by yourself, you know, you're just like, okay, this is me and I need this. I, need. I think in terms of studying, because also my son reported too that his grades wasn't too good this semester. Mm. And so... And, and that's he, compared to other semesters. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, I think that he realized that, well... See, you were responsible for yourself. That assistance that you were getting, probably you probably depended on that assistance. And so what we took from that was, was that, so now that it's up to you to get what it is that you need. It's really up to you, and it always has been. You've just had some degree of assistance. And so now you have to substitute the assistance by putting forth more personal self-efforts in order to obtain what it is that you need out of these lessons. And I think for that part of it, it could be good because some of us have that weight on mentality. Give me, you ain't doing, always looking for something outside. But when you start to turn those energies internal, mm -hmm. I think that you can get better results. And so it takes some of us to be on the outside while this is happening to teach that maybe not necessarily be experts in the lesson that is being taught, but to teach them to go inside and give your best because you're on your own. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, it's because of you. Then that empowering, I feel, could be impactful and it could help, at a, especially at a time like this. You know, because let's go back to when we weren't permitted to learn how to read. Mm. Where we get information from, and that, and that's what I was just gonna to touch on. I was going to say now it's really teaching young kids how to be resourceful, right? And I'll, I'll talk about it all the time. We got the best thing in the world right here in the palm of our hand. Yes, I can get information at the speed of light almost. I can ask Siri anything, and she'll boop. Here's the statistic. Here's the data. Here's another link. I can go read the link, find out more information. Before, back in the day, prior to us having these devices. We had to go physically search that information up. Encyclopedia. <laughs> and then for the families who didn't have encyclopedias, we had a we ended up getting a, a hand-me-down set of encyclopedias. Of course, there's always a volume or two missing mm -hmm. when the it's something that's given to you, you know, somebody's get it's a volume or two or missing. You ain't going to get the complete set. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, maybe uh, the person, the people who had it before you, that set might have, you know, coffee could have wasted on them or, you know, they might have been damaged. But nonetheless, uh, you know, you had a lot more. Let's say, for instance, if it was a 12 volume, you know, you had 10 at least. So, that's, you know, you had more than what you had less of, you know. So I used to, you know, sometimes those were the only books in the house. You know, those were the only books in the house. When I was a kid... There were some books that we couldn't, you know, we couldn't bring home from school. We weren't able to bring books home. So we kept them in our desk at school. So those only books that I had to read was encyclopedias. And I'm grateful 
for that because when I grew up and found out later on how Malcolm X had uh, educated himself, you know, he read the encyclopedias from Aardvark all the way, you know, from A to Z. Mm-hmm. When I, you know, it, it made me feel kind of good, you know, because we were Why he was in prison. Yeah, yeah, because we were poor. You know, we like I said, you know, books in the house, what for? And, and, and also I want to comment on, on a statement you made. You said you couldn't even take the books out of the desk when you're in school. You had to leave them there. I experienced that going to school. I also I was born in Chicago, lived there for half my life, and then moved here for the rest of the, the half. And we could never take our school books home. Mm-mm. That was a class set. No. But when I got to Wiper Lake, you can take your books home. You had additional resources. And I think all of that contributes as well to a person's um, academic advancements and achievements. Just being able to have that book at home to use as a resource when you're going through homework or going through assignments, not just having it while you're in the classroom. Mm-hmm. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, of course it does. We've, oh, we only engaged in how the teacher, you know, the book, you know, like the Dick and Janes or whatever and everything. So why did Spot run away? You know, and that's all we were, you know, limited to thinking, why would Spot run away? You know, here it is. We didn't even have a pet. We couldn't afford no dog or nothing like that. None of us had that experience. You know, so why would we know why Spot <laughs> ran away? But the mindset was limited to those questions. And in that book of those maybe four, five characters, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was limited to that. And so you had to answer based upon, and that, and that's was the structure of what you were being taught as opposed to I'm looking at kangaroo in the encyclopedia, a picture of the kangaroo, how it got its name. It was really just a roo. They call him roo. And, you know, those sort of things, you know, in the encyclopedia. So I'm having more fun at home, you know, reading. And then, of course, when I say we were poor, I know you hear people say we were so poor this, we were so mm-hmm. poor that, we were so poor this. I'm going to just keep it real. We were so poor, all I had was imagination. Mm. Okay? But then again, I realized that I was really rich once I discovered my imagination and what it did for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's what we had. We had imagination. Period. And it's just something about growing up in that environment. I think if you have that outlook and that perspective... I think it does make you a better person. Like I said before, I think it makes you someone who's resourceful, someone who can persevere, someone who's already experienced what being low is like, you know? And I, I've, I've had that similar plight. I know what it's like to to struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's made me a much more ambitious and pers- a person who can persevere more. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that because here it is right now. Young people don't really have imagination because visually they're being manipulated. Things are being put into their minds. They don't have, you know, raw imagination, that that clean, pristine imagination that you place things into with your mind. They are now being shown everything to think, you know. It's just, it's, they, they just see it, and then they take it with them. They're not coming up with that internal, that stuff that, you know, to really imagine. Mm-hmm. 
because you're showing, they're showing you everything. I mean, sexually and everything else. Um, the imagination is something that's so innocent. Our vision has been manipulated. Um, a lot of our hearing, our visual, that's why like doing the show, okay, I'm cool. That's why I've never done like Facebook Live and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I've just never done it, you know, or doing a show doing it because I look at, you know, radio should be heard, shouldn't be seen. I shouldn't be seen bobbing my head to your music. That's interfering with people listening to your music because they're watching me bob my head and that sort of thing, you know, all of that, and talking in the middle of the song. When I do radio shows, I play the music, and then afterwards and everything, this was How Do You Think by Elijah Norris and give you the name of it and everything like that, but you had an opportunity to hear the song, the song, which is a composition. You know, again, this is how you teach with hearing, and the reason I got into radio is so that we could read more, and listen more because listening is something that can kind of be saved visually. Some of us are gone. We've been manipulated to the point. It's about whatever they show us, you know, and especially when they show it to us along with, you know, it, it's, it's the visual, but what you listen to when you're, when you're really a listener, you can hear what is not being said. And I, I got to offer just a little bit of a, a, a different perspective mm -hmm. on that. I think for my age group, especially with these devices and these apps like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're so memes that blew up are huge now. Everyone got memes on Snapchat and everything else. I feel like my generation and even the ones that's a little bit you know older than me, we're so used to seeing everything, especially because of Instagram and Facebook, right? And we almost have to connect an image well, whatever the message is or whoever the person is, we have to connect those two. Mm -hmm. And the new app, TikTok, I mean, that took off, you know, huge now. Millions, millions of users. Visual. It's the Short new Instagram. Clip. It's the new Instagram. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far to say it's a new Instagram because they're two different platforms. One is just strictly just video based, which okay. is TikTok, right? Okay. That's that's it. You you post short clips. I think it's like maybe 30, 30 seconds to a minute long, and maybe you can do longer videos. Um, I, you can tell I, I don't use TikTok, but I think it's like a minute or something like that is the max. But it's just short, quick videos, images, mm -hmm. and they have millions of users. So I mean, I understand what you're saying that listens important. We want to make sure that we're continuously developing that that listening skill because it is one of our five senses, right? Get that. Mm -hmm. But also when I'm seeing, I think our young people, the way to reach them is through visualization, visuals, videos. Oh, it is. It, it, it is it, something we're just attracted to. It has become, to. yeah. Oh, yeah, it has become. Even with the manipulation, it has become the go-to. Um, but I'm going to give you a, a, an example. This past summer, you heard me say on a show, um, when I always close, I always close with, the only time success comes before work is in the dictionary. You, you, you stop you, because of something that you heard. It was nothing to, the only thing you could do was write it down. Remember, you wrote mm -hmm. it down. Do the necessary work in order to achieve yeah. the degree of success that you seek for yourself your family, your future. So you wrote that down because it was something that you heard. It was yeah. something that can only be told to you. And I came up with things that older men and stuff told us. 
you know, those some of the some of them are cliches, some of them are are myths or just old sayings and that sort of thing. You know, you never miss your water until the well runs dry. So now you say that to a young person now and they go, What is a well? They mm. think they think well is like, well, you know, well, and they never can even fathom what a well is, you know, which is being a, 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 a something that you can draw water from, that people had to draw water from, you know, back in the day. They send a bucket down there so deep that's in the ground and then pull up water. So they mm-hmm. they would they wouldn't have a concept. And so in promoting thought and imagination. So now that if you explain to them what a well is, a well is a thing that you went to and you had to go down there and get water. And so now they're thinking again, using that. So what you said has merit. You said it has merit. But these standards will always be in play if young people know how to utilize them. And I'm going to kind of take it back to um, where we um, we're talking about the COVID. We're telling them to wash their hands. Okay. Your mother told you to wash your hands. Didn't she? When you came in from outside, she told you to wash your hands. First thing she would say, wash your hands from coming outside. What, no hand sanitizer? And if if you're getting off the school bus, take them school clothes off. Take the school clothes off and wash your hands. I remember that. There it is. (laughs) I'm resting my case right there. So... These universal precautions upon which we have entered into right now that, that, that we're um, supposedly practicing right now, are some kids really getting it? Are they really getting it? You know, do they need visuals to wash their hands? Do they, you know, you would think that that would register, right? Yep, clean your hands, da 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 I was a guy who uh, I think I learned this from uh, Don King. I always wash my hands before I went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Because I noticed what's inside of my underwear was clean, and my underwear was clean too. I knew that I didn't washed already. It's the shaking hands with other people and all of that stuff and whatnot. So I washed my hands first and then went to the bathroom. You know, and I could walk out after that, unless of course it was one of those situations that got messy. You know, and some people didn't understand that. No, you wash your hands before you go, not afterwards if you're taking care of yourself properly. And some young people would never understand that. They know that somebody told you to wash your hands when you finish with the bathroom. But never to teach you to wash your hands before. And never. I always keep yourself clean. Never. And you just shook hands but you don't know who. You're hugging on, giving five to, playing, beating your hands on the desk, grabbing this, grabbing that, all of that and everything. And then you go in the bathroom and grab yourself. Mm. See? So methods of teaching and how people receive them Again, uh, it brings us back to why now that some of these young people are asymptomatic in regards to this whole COVID thing, they don't, you know, they're not going to bother to get tested. They don't, they, just, I'm not sneezing, I ain't out of breath, I ain't, oh, okay. And this is why they can't fathom being carriers. This is why they can't fathom mm-hmm. being a carrier of something so deadly. Oh, not me. I'm right. All right. I, I ain't sick. I, I talk to people all the time. I ain't sick. I ain't I'm feeling right. sick. Yeah. And people I'm thought right. I was crazy when I went to go get a test, and I I wasn't feeling any symptoms. But I live with my grandparents, and my grandmother has a bad cough from having breath or recovering from breast cancer years ago. So I have to be conscious of certain things. So I went and got myself a test, came back negative, 
And I told my friends, I'm like, look, man, if y'all been moving around doing things, being outside, you know, still out hanging out, go at least get a test so you can know what your status is. So you know you're not out here just passing COVID-19 from house to house, from family to family member. To your grandmother, your own grandmother, and that sort of thing. And so um, the teaching, you know, it comes back into how they receive that. Going back to your point, how do they receive learning? Is it, okay, so now do we have to start doing kitty illustrations, washing your hands, using hand sanitizer, don't forget this? And do, I mean, do we have to go back? Do we have to, because... Or even Brother West, even a visual explaining how the virus could actually spread. I can go to this friend's house, hang out. We can high five, shake hands like we normally do, right? Because we forgot to just to dap up and keep our masks on. Mm-hmm. So I'm shaking his hand. He coughed in his hand two minutes ago. I took my hand, rubbed it on my face, walked outside. I went to my grandmother's house. I had a conversation at the dinner table with her and my granddad. And then boom, they have it. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, just showing people a visual how and th- I heard this is this particular virus, which is COVID nineteen, it, it's spreading the fastest out of any other virus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they had an illustration. Um, going back to my days, about ninety from ninety five to about uh, two thousand. Yeah. Oh boy, I was I was born in ninety six. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I was I was working in the HIV field. And I remember they had a, a piece. I remember the, the 55411 area, which is over in North Minneapolis, was the highest in the country, tested highest in the country for STDs and such. They were the highest in the country for a long time. And this was in the late time. 90s. Yeah. And I think they still, they either one or two even right now. Really? Okay. So there was an illustration that said, if you have unprotected sex with a person, you've just had sex with the last 10 people that they've had sex with. Mm. Yep, I've I've seen that sign too. There's a sign. It was like one person, then you had sex with one person, and then it like multiplies by like ten, and it just goes down. And I remember saying it as a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, and not really fully understanding it, but saying that visual, I was able to understand how easily this thing could spread. Now add that to that, <laughs> you know, that that visual for that 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 uh, that visual that you were speaking of in terms of transmitting um, uh, the COVID, you know, to other people. Add that, that illustration. Take that illustration, just for example, the last 10 people. So now, how many people have you been around? You know, how many How many people, you know, your own grandmother, mm. your grandfather, okay? So what do we need to do to get this message to young people and to people, period, to let them know that, you know, this thing ain't playing? Now, I will share this with you, um, something that you had uh, spoke about at the beginning of the show. I was just at my doctor's the other day, uh, Tuesday, and um, COVID is a pulmonary condition. Mm-hmm. I never used, try to not use the word disease, but I already have a pulmonary condition. It's called sarcoidosis. And a lot of people don't understand what sarcoidosis is unless I tell them, unless I tell them that that's what Bernie Mac died from. He had sarcoidosis, and it's a lung thing. It's like asthma times five, mm. and I already have that condition. And he's a pulmonary. He's a pulmonary doctor, and so he was telling me about the different workshops and stuff that he's been to. He's had to treat COVID patients and whatnot and everything because that's his thing. Even before this came, and he was talking about the vaccine, and that's what I wanted to point to you because you were talking about the vaccine earlier, 
And he said that right now, one of the big things is, it's about who's going to get it first. Now, I know that we've gotten some instructions to not to take this vaccine. We've got this healthy reluctancy, you know, based upon the Tuskegee Airmen experience, you know, and many, many, many other things. Mm-hmm. We, so it's okay. That's why I call it a healthy reluctancy. However, what he talked about was the biggest thing, and he's been my this man's been keeping me alive for years, okay? And this is the only reason why I'm bringing him up mm-hmm. here today. He said, it's about who's going to get it first. He said, um, you know, there are seniors who are in these homes that are not protected and stuff like that, who are vulnerable. He says, people like you, you know, who have two pre-existing conditions, whatnot. He says, this way, he says, a man who's rich and who's got some money mm-hmm. can't come in there and get it before you just because he got money. Right, it's a process. So he said, this is really is going to be the big thing that the state has to really regulate and do their diligence, you know, go to health records and all of that stuff. He said, that's really the thing. And so anyway, after hearing from him, now this is my doctor, and I'm here to say that, it gave me, it increased my faith in the vaccine itself, mm. you know, that, oh, this no. This is someone that you trust. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this vaccine is going to work for everybody, you know, from what he was saying. The only problem that we're going to have is about who gets it and how, and you know, how it's going to be distributed and to whom. Nobody just because they, you know, it's, it, it works just like a kidney or a liver. You know, it's a prioritized thing. Or not, not that you're on a list or anything like that, but... When the state does its health assessment of people, you know, if you've ever been to the doctor, they got a record of who you are. Yeah, and they ask you all those questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, well, there's Wes. You know, Wes has pre-existing conditions. He's definitely vulnerable. Yeah, we want to definitely get him in here and, and get him the vaccine and something. Because these same young people who are asymptomatic, not having any symptoms, well, what do you think that they'll be on that list? Probably close to the bottom. See? So that presents a degree of danger because if they're asymptomatic, they could have it and not know that they have it. And there's a term for those types of folks. They call them super spreaders. That is my point. Where mm. are we? So then it's just like the testing piece. Okay, let's say I got a test last Thursday. Okay, so um, in about two weeks or so, maybe I might need to test again. Yep. This has now become a process, and people are not understanding. This is becoming a process. You need to know your status on a continuous basis. It's not just, oh, uh, yeah, I took the test. I tested negative. You know, No, this ain't no STD test. You know, this ain't, you know, no, 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 it's not that. It's one of those as to where the next day it could be different. Mm. Depending on your interactions with people or just simply you being outside going to the grocery store. You know, okay. th- this virus can thrive on surfaces for up to what? I, I, there was a lot of misinformation out that about that. But I think the most recent information I got was like seven to like 10 days where the actual virus could like thrive on an on an um, environment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, and think about it. Now, here's the now now here's the one thing I know I know that we all this is the 
the end of the year, we're all saying, oh, God, this has been the worst year in life. Da, 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 has been a hard year. Has all been hard and everything year. like that. But, you know, um, is there a bright side? Of course there's a bright side. Let's look at March where people were going on ventilators and dying. And now people are testing positive, being quarantined, and coming home from the hospital. Never have to go on a ventilator. That's the degree of progress. Um, I wanted to uh, also, too, I uh, wanted to um, go to uh, Dr. Garrett. Uh, I, I believe her name is, uh, I forgot her first name, but who from day one had been working tirelessly, black, young, female doctor, uh, on a vaccine from, I mean, sleeping four hours mm. every day since March. Uh, I'm gonna bring her up. I gotta. I'm gonna get a name. And no, I know her last name is Garrett. I think it's Mykeisha Garrett, and uh, who's just been there. I mean, man. And we're real, real close. And um, I know you had mentioned something about some people um, who were having some bad reactions. You know, where was this at? And that sort of thing. These people who had bad reactions to the vaccine. Europe. It was in UK. Uh huh. So I was watching a program last night on MSNBC, and they were talking about the vaccine and how important it is to make sure that communities of color, specifically black people, take the vaccine and that there needs to be some type of conscious effort or campaign to make sure that black people get the vaccine. And there needs to be some type of trusted messengers in the community. So they talked about the priests. They talked about, you know, the community business owners. They talked about the grandma and the grandpas that have been in the neighborhood for 30, 40 years and have taken care of everybody. They need to get the vaccine first. They need to be able to, to speak on behalf of the community and to really make that connection with folks to say, hey, there's nothing wrong with the vaccine. In fact, it's going to actually help us. It's not going to hurt us. You can trust me. So mm -hmm. that's the type of approach that they're trying to take. And I just don't know if people are going to buy into that. So that's why I ask you that question of, do you think people are actually going to just go and take the vaccine on their own? No, no. Um, the first information that we got in terms of a vaccine was to stay away. You know, was to stay away. And then there's still, there's still the uh, people who believe that it's a hoax. There's still people who believe that... Um, the chip might be installed in the vaccine. There's still a degree of people who, who, you know, who have other information, misinformation, lack of information, and that sort of thing. People are not really studying. They're not taking the time to do the real research to be informed, okay? And so some won't do nothing until they see somebody else do it. Mm -hmm. That's just- And I think that's where they're emphasizing, like there needs to be, trusted people in the community that get the vaccine and then can go and talk with other community members to convince them, to persuade them to get the vaccine. Yeah, they're having a tough time uh, just testing. As I mentioned before, you know, uh, currently, I know currently they're doing some testing. Um, we, we, In fact, some testing that we know of that they're doing right over here in St. Paul at, at Redeemer Church right now, they're doing testing. And so it's already a battle just to get people to test, you know, 
the vaccine is going to be a whole, whole. Mm. That's a good point. Thing. I wasn't even looking at it from that perspective. It's been difficult to even get people to go get a test. Now you want them to go out and get a vaccine that they're already skeptical about. What do you think the government can do to build that trust between now well, and when the vaccine is, is going to be fully deployed throughout the community? I've seen, what, I've seen what they're implementing. They're saying, well, we're going to have President Obama be one of the first recipients of uh, taking that vaccine along with, uh, with somebody else who I think they said will be uh, a recipient as well, you know, to make it seem friendly. Mm -hmm. um, gaining trust, well, you know, they've, they've tried it out. Uh, for us, you mean? For, for, for black, for black people? people? This they've tried it out. For, they've for tried ADOS. it out and gave some money to a lot of Negroes. Even some of those who are doing tests now or who are behind the testing. Negroes who, you know, these same Negroes who always say, we can get to the Negroes and we can get them to come out and do, you know, those. Mm -hmm. Those Negroes always seem to get money to do the bidding and everything. But they're not using the money wisely to do these type of workshops, uh, informational sessions, and such that it's going to take in order to gain that trust. They're just, they're just a... If we build a a a a, 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 a game house, y'all will come and play games, you know. Or they can just say, "Well, we made the effort," and that sort of thing. It's not enough. It's not enough of just having a testing site and having people on, but if nobody's coming in there, if you've not did your diligence in the community and talked to people and tried to educate them, and wonder, why are you taking these people's money, mm -hmm. and then telling a lie and putting our lives at risk. Mm. Why would you do that? You know, just to get, you know, just to get some of that COVID money. Is that what this is about to you? The COVID money? It's not about the prevention and awareness, the prevention of spreading and the awareness so that people know that they can make a conscious decision when that time does come. Because we've been dealt an end of the world blow. We're lucky to make it to the end of the year. In the county alone, we got 32,622 confirmed cases, 2,500 people hospitalized, 593 people total cases that are in the um, ICU. Mm -hmm. We've lost 559 people. Wow. Total. And that's just in the county. Majority hmm. of those cases, a majority of those, those deaths, hospitalizations, what city do you think that's coming from within the county? What city would that be, sir? Right here in St. Paul. Right here in St. Paul. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna doubt. I'm not even going to flinch, you know, or anything. I'm just gonna say that that speaks to misinformation, lack of information, lack of due diligence, or someone really taking real leadership and moving forward to ensure that the community is aware. Because if we pass the information around the right kind of way, we quarantine ourselves for 15, 20 days, get all our provisions. We got people giving out food here on different days and stuff like that. So people are still moving all around. Mm -hmm. Nobody's coordinating efforts nope. so that we come out one day, you can go visit this site, this site, this site, this site, get what you need. Back now, inside. Back inside for 20 days. Economy, there would not be an economy if there's not people. Since since you took it there, Brother West, mm -hmm. let's let's step away from the county and, and local and, and let's go statewide. Okay. 
from the very start of this pandemic, I was confused as to why Governor Walls, and this is not trying to discredit him or any of those things, right? But I'm just, I'm trying to get an understanding of why the governor would not say, hey, look, this coronavirus is spreading rapidly throughout our communities. We can't get a control on it. We tried to shut things down for, I think the first shutdown was what, for two weeks? Mm -hmm. We tried to shut things down for two weeks. We opened back up again. It spread rapidly again. You know, it was a spike in cases. We're just going to shut everything in the state down. In the state for 20 days. We're going to start sanitizing everything. We're going to get a hold on this thing. No one is going to be permitted to go anywhere for 20 days. You need Mm -hmm. groceries. You can go to get groceries from this time to this time. Or we can use the, the, the National Guard to deliver groceries to people's house. We got online services that people could use. We'll utilize that. If you don't got a working phone, all that, you can call this number. We'll make sure you get the essential items that you need, but you're not going anywhere for 20 days. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, <laughs> if it comes from the governor, everybody's going to be looking for a way to get around that. But if it comes from within and we unify and stick together, It'll be solid then. We'll be able to do something. You know, but if it comes from an authority figure, they're going to tell me I can't. Uh, no. I can't go outside that, as you're putting that, on your shoes. That's what it'll outside. come down yep. to. And um, while we're on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give credit to the governor. Um, during the course of the, when the pandemic first hit, his response, I was getting updates from them sometimes because I was doing a show every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called No Mass Required. It I remember that program. Free yeah. shows just to give information, resources, and stuff out to people. They would get me, they would email me their information. Sometimes it would come at 10 p.m. the night before. So that showed me that they were working up until 10 p.m. This is the governor and oh, his yeah. people. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that I can have it, had the information fresh for the next day. Uh, I'm giving him credit for putting people first. He gave no damn about the commodity, uh, 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 economy or any of that stuff. He put people first. He did, and he did the best he can. I remember that when he uh, uh, mentioned that we could test over, I think, 4,000 people a day. Back then, back because they were selling tests back then in March yep, and April. Yep, they were selling tests. He said we could test people, and as soon as after he made that announcement, a week after, the vice president was here, and he came to the Mayo Clinic and everything. Yep. I thought they was coming to beat him up. I really did, you know, knock him down mm-hmm. and everything. Don't you ever get out here and talk about how many people you could test or, you know, we're trying to, you know, I didn't know what that was, but it, it was it was controversial in my mind and in my thoughts. You know, nothing that I would say, you know, what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't want to put nothing out there that's not true, but I was thinking a million different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but he stayed the course. He stayed the path. And so it's easy for us to say, you know, the governor needs to, mm-hmm. okay, but what do we need to do? You know, because that's something that we can control. What do we need to do? And I like that, you know, you said, yeah, if it came from the authority figure, people aren't going to listen. They're going to say, oh, I can't go outside. Okay, cool. As they're on their way out the door. But if it is a community conversation, if we came together as a collective and say, look, we got to get a control on this thing. We got to make sure our community is safe. Yep. I think that would resonate yep. much better. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's a a real simple question. What are we going to do to prevent this? Mm. Okay. Um, We are already in a position as to where um, the 
domino effect of it, even some people that are not affected by the virus, mentally, some people will never be the same. Um, and I always take it to the story about when I was a kid, how we would be outside playing, but there was this person that would be looking at us play out the window. We'd never seen that person outside. So, you know, we always thought they were crazy, or we would tease them at the window, or him or her, whoever it was. It was somebody who would always be watching out the window. Now, your kids, your kids will experience that same thing, but only that person who's sitting there in the house watching them play is going to have a mask on, looking out at them. Because mentally, there are some people who will never come back. This coronavirus trip, it's like they went on this coronavirus trip mm. and nothing will come back but their luggage. Mm. And it will still be shot. It's some people overdoing it. You, you know, you might say, oh, they're paranoid. And, but it's some people that are not going to make it back mentally. They will not make it back. And it's going to affect. It's going to have that effect going down the line. So you think about, say, when I was little, those people who was looking at us from outside, what did they see? Was it bubonic plague? Was it Spanish flu? Was it polio? What did they go through that they didn't want to come outside and mingle with people? You've never seen them outside. What did they go through? What did they see? And so those are the things that we need to kind of go back to and think about those people mentally who just refused to even come outside. Mm, you know that that's interesting, Brother West. I think a lot of the times, or at least currently, we're, we're focusing a lot on what we can see the impacts of this this virus economically, we can see that, right? The job loss, the the people not being able to pay their rent, people not being able to buy basic necessities because they don't have money, the unemployment rates. We can see all these things. We can't see what people are going through in their brains, in their minds, mentally, and that the, the lasting impact that this virus is going to have on people. And I don't think we're talking about that enough. Nope. At all, really. Nope. I had a brief conversation with wow. uh, someone that I worked with a long time ago from the Institute for Minority Development. And this is like the first black family here in the state on mental health. Um, Dr. Ella Gross, uh, along with her daughter, Ordana, I worked with them a long time ago. You know, we worked with people who were mentally challenged and everything, not so much physically, but mentally challenged. And uh, I'm scheduling them for a future show so that we can talk about the mental aspect uh, of this whole thing. You know, um, scenario, here's the scenario. Let's say a lady who we know of sound mind has been locked in the house. She's in her house with a head covering, mask, gloves. Don't let anybody in the house. You can't deliver nothing, anything, right? So if, and let's say we still had this guy in there for president, if the vaccine came and it was mandatory for people to take it, and they sent the military to issue it to people. This is a lady who is not going to let military or nobody else in her house. Okay? What's going to happen is they're going to breach her house, and you'll probably never hear from her again. Okay? Probably never hear from her again because she's going to fight them to the end, to the last. Um, and it's going to be people like that. There's people now, right now, you can't come to their house. No, they may talk to you on the phone and that's it. Some people will mentally will not make it back even after, you know, even after, let's say the vaccine proves to be effective and all of that stuff. 
Right, and, and, and let's just go on and throw out a number. 80% of our population takes the vaccine I annually. I ain't taking that job. I ain't. That I ain't will just kick in. You know, I ain't coming out. So I ain't going to be around. I ain't going to do this. I, you know, that's going to kick in because of how it's being fed right now. And now you're seeing people, you know, out of nowhere because of these carriers who are really killing the people right now. It's these people who won't listen to the instruction and the universal precautions that are being given to prevent the spread. It's these people who are not listening, who are continuing to perpetuate the growth of coronavirus and the deaths of coronavirus in people. It's that. And some people, you know, they might be short anyway mentally, but that's enough for them. I don't want to be around nobody. They're hearing young people can't. They definitely don't want to be around no kids. Mm -mm. I don't want nobody. And that's the message that they're going to get, the limited of information, which is why I said for these entities, especially those of you who are serving people of color, you're serving people of color, don't just set up a testing site and tell them to come get tested. Educate them about the testing process. Mm -hmm. Educate them as to why it's necessary that you become tested. That's the stuff that we need you out here doing, not just taking these people's money and setting up a tent like a gypsy, mm. okay? We need for you to help us become a more informed community because we're losing people. We're losing people mentally every day, every day. Think of the families who a loved one contracted the virus and passed. They're scared. They're, they're too scared to even receive the information of prevention, probably. And, and even having to process losing a loved one. I was right out, right outside here, outside the office a few days ago, and I was walking my dog around because I was um, dog sitting for a family member, and a young boy approached my car. So you know, I put my mask on because I'm in my car. I used to take my mask. Off. I see people driving around with their mask on. I take mine off. On. I ain't even gonna drive around with it on. It impairs but, vision too. But yeah, when you're so, so I, I took took my uh, grabbed my mask, put it on, rolled down my window. You know, gave him what's up. He looked like he was about 13, 14 years old at this time. It's like one thirty in the afternoon. So I'm like, okay, what's up? He's like, can you give me ten bucks so I can get some lunch? And I started thinking in my head, okay, he's not in school. You know, he's doing distance learning. He probably don't got no food at the house. And I don't carry cash, though. So I'm like, I, I don't got any cash. I mean, I, I really can't do much for you right now. So he ran away or whatever, ran down to the next building. And at this moment, I'm like, man, I know I got a couple bucks somewhere around here. So I'm looking around my car. I'm checking every place. I'm checking my jacket, pull out my wallet. I see 20 bucks tuck, tucked away in my wallet. So I'm like, okay, when I see this young brother come back out again, I'm going to flag him down. That was the 20 you had to take me to lunch with, bro. I, I think it was. Yeah, and I, was I think that. you ended up buying me chicken that day, though, so I didn't get to spend it. So, you know, I, I chased him down or whatever when I saw him. I'm like, hey, you know, I found 20 bucks in my wallet. You know, here you go. You can get yourself some lunch. You know, I'm just, I'm very, I'm an inquisitive person. So I just couldn't walk away. I had to ask, you know, you know, what are you doing out here? You're right. And then I'm like, why aren't you in school? And that was a terrible question because, duh, he's not in school because coronavirus, you know, they're doing distance learning. So I asked a more relevant question. I said, well, why aren't you at home? And he's like, well, I really don't got no home to go to. I'm like, okay, well, why, what do you, why you don't have a home to go to? Well, you're about 13 or 14 years old. He's like, well, I'm 17. I live with my brother, technically. My mom died this year, 
from coronavirus and she had a pre-existing condition. She had heart problems. So she died this year. I don't I don't know how recent the death was, mm-hmm. but he said this year from COVID. And he had to go live with his grandmother who was elderly. And I'm sure he, you know, she didn't want him running in and out the house or go stay with your brother, you know, whatever. And the young guy was, you know, like I said, he was 17 years old. His brother's 25. So I kind of know how that relationship probably is. His brother don't really want to be bothered mm-hmm. too much. So he's like, man, go play outside. I still got to do my own thing. And I just I saw this look on this young dude's face. It was just like he was just giving up in life, you know. And I wanted to do so much more for him. You know, I really want to get a young dude a hug, to be honest with you. But, you know, COVID-19, I got to be careful, you know, in my interactions with people. But I could tell, like, he just needed some some genuine love and care and to know that somebody out there actually is trying to do something for him in this mm-hmm. situation. And this COVID-19 thing, man, is a mess. Wow. And, when, and when I when I saw him and I heard what happened to his mother... You know, I lost my mom, too, and I talk about it a lot, you know, because she's still with me to this day. I lost her two years ago, um, and I know what that loss is like, especially at a young age, and I just know that young brother's going through a lot. School is probably lasting on this young brother's mind. Mm-hmm. He probably not thinking about no school. Even if he was in person and had all the resources, he probably still wouldn't be thinking about school if he's just lost his mom. Yeah. So what support are, is out there for our young brothers and sisters who are losing family members? Caretakers, grandmothers, grandparents, oh, they moms, dads. They have them. They call them uh, vice lords, GDs. Uh, yeah, they have those caretakers. They're out there. They're out there to take care of them, show them love, mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other. They're out there. Put a little dope in their pockets. They're out there. Sneakers. You know, They're out there. And again, he becomes he becomes vulnerable for that as well as contracting the virus himself, not knowing it, and it'll work and work and work itself until it compromises his immune system, you know, and then here he'll be 18 and pass from coronavirus, okay? That's what happens. Or pass from the streets, yeah. even if it's not two or three but, years. But all but of it once together. Once you're in that cycle. If he starts making that money, he ain't going to no doctor. He ain't on no plan. How he's gonna? How is he going to, you know... Who's there to give him information? And this is where I'm talking about these community entities that take that money from the government. This is where you lack at. And you were in a position wondering, what is it that I could do, you know, blah, 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 when there are people who are getting paid to do exactly what you were questioning. They're getting paid for that, but they won't improvise. They won't take that money and go a step further and everything like that. You have provided me with some opportunities and stuff like that. Take it a step. No, let's do all we can do. Not just do this. Mm-hmm. Let's do everything that we can. You know what I mean? And now we got calls to do it. You know, we got a, you know, we we have a project in front of us. Let's also, yeah, let's include this. Let's see that while we're doing this, can we get this? You know, which um I'm gonna go to the survey uh, right now. See, because I'm still in the moment. <laughs> I'm still in the moment. The survey that we have. And in fact, um, I'll allow you. In fact, I, I'll, I'll let you elaborate on that survey. Yes, we, we have a survey. We have seven questions on the survey. We're really trying to get a better understanding of how this virus has impacted you, your community, what feedback you have for the county, the state on what they can do to make sure they're providing the adequate resources and support that you need to thrive and survive during this COVID-19 time. So we have a survey on Google Form. You can get a gift card if you fill out the survey. Like I said, it's just seven questions long and some identifying information. And so we can ensure we can match up who you are and the person that took the survey so we can get your gift card to you. Better hurry up. Uh, And, yep, we got 
well, we probably got 43 left now to give out, or 40, 40 gift cards to give out, 30 bucks on it to Target, holiday season, take the survey, get yourself a gift card. And then also it's important that we get this information though, because we want the county to provide as much resources and support to the people who need it the most. And just going off this, the uh, going off of the statistics, people of color, specifically black people, have been the most impacted by coronavirus in a negative way, not a positive impact, negative mm. impact mm. by coronavirus. And we know that these problems are not going to go away at the end of this year. They're not going to go away at the end of next year. Mm-mm. Some of these, they're not going to leave with Donald Trump either. No, right? oh, not with Donald Trump either. Yeah, thank you for that, brother West. These issues are not going to leave when Donald Trump leaves. We're still going to experience the ramifications of coronavirus. What are we going to do? What are I like when you when you the way you put that earlier, brother West? What are we going to do to ensure our community stays healthy, physically, mentally, and spiritually? What are we going to do? We, what are you going to do? You know, um, for me, I know that uh, I'm, I'm I'm in the right place, um, and being able to um, spread this message and try and get this this message of prevention and awareness quicker than what this virus can spread. Mm. And that's what we all need to be doing. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not just trying to attack people just because they got a little bit of money. I'm just saying that, you know, you need to do diligence, you know, stop taking that money. And then, you know, all you're doing is sitting back planning on going to Hawaii or, or someplace mm-hmm. and everything like that. You know what you do or, taking that money and giving it to somebody else, that sort of thing. Utilize the resources that you have because somebody may need a gift card or something like that. Or once you talk to someone, just like the young man that you were talking to, you got some money probably in your program or maybe even in your pocket, you know, because if you're out here in the community, you'll find people like that young man that Elijah found out here. You'll find people like that, that need something, that needs something. That's what it's for. It wasn't for you to pay yourself and everything like that. And if you feel like that's what you need to do, then you need to do some work that's worth getting paid for, not just setting up other people to do work. Because even right now with the testing thing, you're setting up people to do testing. They do they do that free anyway. You're not paying for that. But mm. you're getting money. So what are you doing? You know, um, I'm not even getting uh, people who, you, you, I'm not getting people who are doing ads. You know, I should have, I should be flooded with ads about testing, you know, about prevention. I should be flooded with that. With all the different entities that are getting money, it's only a couple who have came to me. I know that Project Restore is one that came to me that said, we need to get the message out there, you know, about COVID-19, blah, 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 blah. And I just went right to work. You know, when somebody is serious about something, you know, when they're serious about something, they do it. And with Project Restore, it said to me, you know, I know who you are. I know how you operate. I know how you work. We just need to get this done. And so that's why even now, like I said, even with the message uh, of getting tested, with the message of the gift card, with the message of providing data to the county, you know, to let them know how that they can serve us better, okay, that's all fine. But the one question that ain't in there, that should be in there, is the one that we both just said. What is it that we could do better? It's easy to point fingers. Mm. It's easy to point fingers at what somebody should be doing. You know, da 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 But well, what can we do? When will we have that collaborative 
that collaborative, and I'm going to go into a reason why. When we have that collaborative that we say, okay, you, you, okay, so let's bring all these food giveaway things together so that we all come out at the same, those who need food will go out and get the commodities and whatnot. Those who got food stamps that can shop. Because I'm telling you, I, I said, when people start giving away food, like in um, uh, right after George Floyd yep. and stuff like that, I was like, the one thing we weren't was hungry. Because they had increased everybody's food stamps and everything. Anybody who's anybody could get food stamps. So we weren't hungry. Giving away food was not the answer. You're rallying around. To mm -hmm. me, all of a sudden it felt like like Thanksgiving time. It was just like fattening up turkeys, you know, for what? Mm -hmm. The slaughter that's to come. And so it wasn't food. It was this information right now that we're talking about is what was imperative. Get groups around, you know, okay, if you're giving away food, even if you're giving away food, a few little workshops, social distancing, you know, talking about, you know, how, you know, or if you're interested in participating with other groups and staying in, you know, for 20 days and whatnot, we, we, we got a plan as to where we want to make sure that everybody will still be able to eat and that sort of thing. Okay, we want to stay in for 20 days. We want, you know, just like you fast or anything else, you got food, enough stuff to do what it is that you need to do. It's no reason for you to even come outside. Allow them to do the sanitizing piece that you talked about and everything like that. We need to help ourselves and stop waiting on someone mm -hmm. to come and save us because no cape <laughs> blowing in the wind is going to do what it is that we need to do for ourselves. You, you know, Brother West, we we, we close to time, mm -hmm. um, so I do want to wrap up shortly here. But I, I do want to just mention that this year has been rough, and we got hit with a double whammy. We got hit with coronavirus, and then we got hit with George Floyd, which caused weeks, months worth of civil uprising, what some Un people are calling unrest, civil call unrest, but civil uprising. And that contributed to the spreading of coronavirus. I mean, hundreds to thousands of people gathering at these protests, some wearing masks, some not wearing masks, and, yeah. and, you know, just helping each other when they did get, you know, tear gas and they need milk poured in the face. You have to remove the mask at that point. Now, a person's grasping, gasping for air, spreading coronavirus Coughing. all over yeah. the place. Yeah. I mean... This, this has been a difficult year, especially trying to manage coronavirus. And then after George Floyd, it was like, oh, my gosh, all the protocols just kind of went out the window at that mm -hmm. point. People were rallying the streets. It's, mm -hmm. it's been tough, man. But I, I want to go back to what we've been saying this show is, what are we going to do? And we both got parts to play. Who's ever listening to this message, you have a part to play. And it can start by keeping yourself and your family safe. Be smart. Mm -hmm. Yes, wash the hands. Yes, social distance. Yes, know your status. Yep, even get tested in groups. When we go to get to, you know, all of us who stayed in, we go to get tested together. You know, formulate these groups. Um, before you, you know, and, and, and before you do get off, when I talked about that collaborative, um, I posted something this morning about they're going to get $40, uh, $40 million to rebuild the Somali Mall and stuff. Uh, and what I was trying to that, think that's of, right here in Minnesota, South yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah. For those. And what I was trying to think of was collective economics, mm. collective economics. It's in the principles of uh, Kwanzaa as well. Right. Collective economics. And uh, I had someone say, oh, how they going, how they get, how they, how they, you know, this is another black person. How they, how 
What do you think? Unity. They got together. Yeah, That's they, how they, got they made the a plan. Place. They put money behind that yes. plan. They executed. Yes. And all of you different groups that got money, you wouldn't have took that money and spent it outside of your community. I don't care. You know, even if you did the work, when you got paid, you wouldn't have took the money outside of your community and spent it with somebody else. And so um, collectively, you know, and I, I, I really appreciate having the Somali people present uh, in our lives because they show, they display, you know, this is the blueprint. This is the template. You know, of course, you know, we got bad people everywhere, everywhere. But if you're looking for the good and you're looking at how and you're playing a game to win, you can see the template, the structure and whatnot. And if you're not ready, you'll still be over there on the sidelines complaining, you know, because even if you run a barber shop and all black people are coming to you, you know, to get their hair cut. But when it comes time to go shopping, you're out there in Southdale mm. and places like that. That means you're taking that money out of the neighborhood and going and taking it somewhere else. It's called collective economics. You know, either you get right or you will get left. Mm. And you know what? Just to end that, my dad always told me growing up, he said the only people that complain about the game are those who don't know the rules and how to play it. ADOS, black people, We've been complaining about the game for far too long instead of trying to focus our attention on how to learn how to play the game, yep. the rules of engagement, how to strategize. So, of course, we're going to continue to complain about the game. We don't know the rules. To quickly wrap up today's segment, you all need to know your status. We encourage everyone to go out and get a test, multiple tests, depending on how often you're out traveling and moving around. There's nothing wrong with it. I think moving forward until this vaccine is actually proven to be effective and it's actually disseminated throughout all of our communities, we need to do our due diligence and make sure we're going out and getting the test, knowing our status so we can keep our family and friends safe. It's super easy. It's convenient. You can order a test online. Go to Ramsey County's website. Go to COVID-19. Click on testing sites. And there is an option for you to have a test delivered to your home. You take the test. Um, there's instructions on how to do it. You package it up. You send it back off. They send you your results. Simple. If you don't want to go to the testing sites. If you do want to go to the testing sites, go back onto that same county site, Ramsey County. Click on COVID-19. There's a list of places that you can go to get a free saliva test if you don't want that instrument going up your nose, which I know a lot of people are hesitant to do the test because of that. There is a saliva test that you can take that's non-invasive. I want to thank my guests. Brother Wes Smoove from the Twin Cities Radio Network right here in St. Paul for coming on and sharing his insight, his brilliance, and, you know, his passion for communicating with our community and really building um, a collective community right here in the Twin Cities area. I want to thank you all for tuning in and watching. Please be safe, know your status, and take care. Peace. Yeah.